It's been a big week for quarterback development discourse. How much is coaching affecting what a quarterback is doing? How much information is too much? How do you maximize their skill set while also hoping they'll run an actual NFL offense? Dan Orlovsky from ESPN, longtime NFL quarterback, joins me on the show today to talk about Jordan Love's development, quarterback development, the influence of scheme and how it can help a quarterback and why schemed up is not a dirty word. All of that on today's show. You are locked on Packers. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, the lowest price, guaranteed. Dan Orlovsky from ESPN longtime NFL quarterback, joins us on the show today. And we're going to talk about Jordan Love. We're going to talk about his development. We're going to talk about the influence of the quarterback. We're going to talk about some of the comments Justin Fields made about thinking too much and the influence of the quarterback. I think these are discussions that are really, really useful, not just for what, you know, the disaster class that's going on in Chicago, which is just a step-by-step of what not to do. But I think this has wide-ranging impacts on every NFL team, essentially. Every situation where you're trying to bring along a young quarterback, there's tentacles of this. Not that the Justin Fields situation affects those, but I just mean the discussions are things that are relevant to situations around the league, including and especially in Green Bay. There is a great contrast point. And our pal Carmen Vitale wrote about this for Fox Sports about how the Packers have set Jordan Love up to succeed and the Bears have set Justin Fields up to fail. Now, Justin Fields is failing plenty on his own and that needs to be stated as well, but there is a very different set of circumstances here. Speaking of those circumstances, they could potentially be much better this week than they have been the last two weeks and certainly than they were last week. No Aaron Jones, no Christian Watson. Aaron Jones returned to practice on Thursday. That was a padded practice. That is a big deal as we sit here trying to project forward who is going to play on Sunday afternoon. And there was, and if you're not someone who lives on Twitter, God bless you. Thank goodness for you uh, because it it can be a dark time. It can be a dark life. Uh, I am someone who has tried to spend less time on Twitter lately and not just because of you know, whatever other drama Elon related and otherwise is going on with the platform itself. If you if you missed the discourse, it's better because it turned out 
the drama and the hysteria and the whatevers on Christian Watson not practicing, not a big deal. He practiced on Wednesday, um, practiced last week ahead of the game. And so for the Packers, they're going, well, he practiced two practices in a row. So we're going to give him a practice off. Um, Practiced Wednesday as well. So you don't need to have him on Thursday. Presumably he will go today. No setbacks, according to Matt LaFleur. And Aaron Jones, we'll see if he plays, but practicing on a day where you have pads on, really good sign. As long as, I would say as long as he practices today, you can feel good about Aaron Jones going. And I think the same is true for Christian Watson, though neither is is much better than like a 60-40 proposition on Sunday. Perhaps more importantly, though, and this is something we haven't really had a chance to discuss since these comments were made, David Bakhtiari said, this is not a I don't play on turf situation. Now, look, you can you can take from that what you want. You you can believe him or not. I don't I don't know what I believe at this point as we sit here. I just don't. I I I it would be easy for me to say, well, that's what he has to say. He has to say that, right? And so I I understand that perspective. To be sure, in in my brain, that seems like a viable thing to be true. Now, it can also be true that he's dealing with swelling. We know that swelling has been an issue for him over the years since the ACL. Unfortunately, we are talking about years. I think it is, when he says, if I were protesting, which this is basically his point, if I were making a point if this was a protest, as his brother's tweet seemed to indicate it was, against turf, I would have said something. I would have said, this is what I'm doing. I find that to be a compelling explanation. But in a lot of ways, that is an even more troubling answer because it means his potential absences are in fact less predictable than they would otherwise be. If he were just going to miss turf games, in a lot of ways, that would be much easier for the Packers to manage because you would go, okay, no Las Vegas, no New York, no Detroit, no Minnesota, and that would be predictable. You'd be like, great, all the other games, assuming, you know, like no new injuries, he's going to be set for. I guess that's not what's happening. And, And I tried to, when we were having these discussions, give these caveats of like, okay, if this is what he's doing, if it is the case that he is just sitting, if it is true that he's not going to play these these turf games, it would it would mean, you know, whatever it means. And certainly that would have that would have its own sort of negative connotations from a fan perspective and from a team perspective. If that's not the case, then it means he could potentially play some turf games, but it could also potentially mean he's going to miss some grass games. That he had swelling based on a game that was played in week one on grass. So, that's not great as you try and figure out what this is going to look like moving forward. So, is he going to play? Like, we assumed, I assumed not practicing all week was not a sign that he was not going to play. It was just maintenance. Like they even listed him on the Wednesday practice report last week and this week as 
as veteran rest. Not he's hurt, but he's dealing with this swelling. And, and he's he basically said, it's still sore. I still have problems with it. It's still stiff. I'm basically winning these one-on-one matchups with one leg. But I still love winning my matchup. And so I'm still going to go out here and I'm still going to play, which is why he's not retiring those kinds of things. We'll see how he feels at the end of the season, if his body still feels like he can go. Those are big questions. We don't know the answers to those questions. I I keep going back to the point that Lily Zhao made, our pal, on Zayu Duin, about, okay, well, if he's going to miss these you know four or five games, it gives you a great opportunity to see what you have in these other players. But also in a year where maybe the NFC is even more wide open than we realized. The Cowboys now dealing with serious, serious injuries. The Eagles maybe looking more vulnerable than we thought. The 49ers, who knows, Brock Purdy against the Giants wanted to throw them the ball like 10 times. Well, it would be nice to have your all-pro left tackle. Wouldn't it be ironic if David Bakhtiari, whose injury fundamentally changed the trajectory of the Green Bay Packers in 2020 and 2021, and in 2023 in a lot of ways, because if he's there in 2020 or 2021, they probably win the playoff game that they lost. I, I will always believe they would have beat the Bucs with David Bakhtiari, and I will always believe they would have beaten the 49ers with David Bakhtiari. I think they would have won the Super Bowl with David Bakhtiari in either or potentially both of those seasons. And so maybe Jordan Love is not on the Packers right now. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback. Maybe Aaron Rodgers retires after they go back-to-back, rides off into the John Elway sunset. Think about how the narrative is so different with him. David Bakhtiari probably is a five or six-time All-Pro at this point if he doesn't tear his ACL. He's a no-doubt Hall of Famer with a pair of Super Bowl rings protecting, you know, a a top three all-time quarterback. And that's like, or okay, Montana, Brady, Manning, Rodgers, if you want to do it that way. If he's got three rings, it's sort of an unassailable case that he's a top, certainly a top five quarterback all-time. And you'd be pushing for four-time MVP. Brady didn't do that. He doesn't have as many brings as Brady, but he'd have more than Peyton. So, okay. It would everything would be different. It's not what happened. And so this is this is where we are. It'd be really nice to have that guy. Like they would have beaten the Falcons because they would have been able to block up in those must-pass situations against the Falcons. They would have gotten those blocks. Rasheed Walker and the, you know, the the backup left guard in this case, Royce Newman, you trust David Bakhtiari to clean up some of those Royce Newman mistakes if they're made, if he can. So it just changes so much for your offense. If you can have David Bakhtiari, you'd really like to have him this week. Cam Jordan, Carl Granderson, those guys are like really good. They're really good. This is a really good edge rush. It's not as good in the middle as it was but it's it's still good. It's still good. Brian Brzee has not been as good as they thought he would be. You know, Kalen Saunders is not a pass rusher, really. Certainly not as good as a Jordan, uh, Cameron Jordan. Jordan Cameron. Cameron Jordan. It's the double first name issue. So, it'd be really nice to have this week. I'll tell you that. In a game that the Packers really, really want to win in front of, it's going to be, there's a million Packers alumni that are going to be there. So 
this David Bakhtiari situation, it just gets more and more complicated. So it's truly bizarre. All right, we're going to get up with Dan Orlovsky. Yes, that's a get up, a get up pun. Uh, here on Locked on Packers right after this. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Game Time. It shouldn't be stressful to get tickets to a show you're excited to go to. Like none of that process should be stressful for you. And yet it often is. That's why Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guaranteed, you can stop stressing and just start getting excited about all the fun you're going to have with flash deals and last minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. And and my favorite feature, my favorite feature, images of the seats plus the lowest price guaranteed. Forget planning months in advance. They have deals right up to the day of the event. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets sent directly to your phone so you don't have to dig through your email. Download the GameTime app and create an account and use the promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Terms apply. And today's episode brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Are you missing syrup for your pancakes? I've been there. Or did you just run out of your favorite coffee creamer? With DoorDash grocery delivery, you can get what you want right when you need it. I have two kids. I can't always just run out to the grocery store. It's great to be able to just go boop, boop, boop right on my phone and get what I need from the store. Did you burn your last piece of toast? Also been there. Avocados gone bad, forgotten. You need to buy more avocados. That literally happened to me yesterday. One of my son's favorite foods. Didn't have them, was not able to go get them. Try grocery store delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. Need fresh groceries for the week and don't have time to go to the store? Grocery delivery from DoorDash. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 when you use code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Limited time offer and terms do apply. But we're talking about 50% off up to $20, no minimum, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNFL. Code LOCKEDONNFL for 50% off. That first order with DoorDash. Football season is here and Locked On is kicking off our coverage with Locked On NFL Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live from 2 to 4 Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Host Tanitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Krabs will break down every game on the NFL slate and get you ready for your team's matchups, fantasy lineups, betting angles, and more. Plus the in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country, that's me, who know these teams better than anyone else. Find Locked On NFL Kickoff live every Friday from 2 to 4 Eastern on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel, but probably Locked On Packers. Joining me now from ESPN, former longtime NFL quarterback and quarterback breakdown guru, Dan Orlovsky, joins me now. And, and Dan, I, I told you on Twitter the other day, I, I have so much fun watching you break down quarterback tape. The energy is infectious. It's so great. Mm. Uh, I just I just wanted to let you know that off the top. So I'm really excited to talk Jordan Love with you. Uh, before we get to Jordan Love, though, there's been a really interesting discussion related to something Jordan uh, J- Justin Fields said about coaching and his head was kind of swimming 
can you can you just offer your perspective on where you stand on this idea of let's try and get the quarterback the enough answers without yeah. flooding him with information? Yeah. So I I've I've kind of categorized most quarterbacks in the NFL, certainly recently in one of two groups, either thinkers or reactors. And I think the thinkers are the guys that are a little bit more of traditional pocket passers. Now, traditional, not in the sense of they can't move, but traditional. I think of, you know, a player like Joe Burrow, uh, a player like Mac Jones, a player like a Geno Smith. We're watching Shador Sanders at the University of Colorado. Mm. Those guys were like they are these incredibly cerebral players that constantly think their way through football and they're able to do it very quickly. Bryce Young is one of those guys. And then are, there's there's these reactors that are much more instinctual athletes. Uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar. And I think Justin Fields is one of those guys that certainly right now, that's, his, that's when he's at his best, right? That's where he's at the top of his game. And I think kind of when you get some of these players, and what it feels like in Chicago is they've got this really dynamic athlete and they know that he's super talented, but for the long game, they're trying to make him 10% of a less runner and 30% more of a pocket passer, whatever we want to kind of phrase it as. And, hey, to do this play with this drop, you know, we want to have it be a three-step drop out of the gun, but it's going to be a little bit of a slower three-step drop. And if you do that and you see that defender kind of hang inside, well, so there's just all this information and – you know, when you're a young player and you're trying to absorb all that, you know, thinking makes everybody slower. And um, I think this year you're, you've certainly seen that be the case for Justin. And, um, you know, I had a, a quarterback coach in the NFL for a couple of times. His name was Greg Knapp, and he's uh, since passed, unfortunately. Uh, but he said a saying to me when I was a younger kid that he learned with his time with Steve Young. And he was like, we got to cut the fat off plays. And uh, I, I think that's probably gotten lost a little bit in Chicago. At least it looks like that. And, um, you know, they got to kind of rebuild and give them the information and, and allow them to kind of understand what you want to do with the football. But then he has to go play and be an athlete and trust his instincts. The reason I wanted to start there is, first of all, I just think that this discussion is relevant to quarterback situations around the league, not just with Justin Fields in Chicago. Sure. But I also thought immediately of Jordan Love. And a guy who at Utah State is playing in a very different offense, and he comes to Green Bay, and they say, okay, you got to learn how to play under center, which you probably have yep. never done in your life. You have to learn the footwork with these under center play actions. You're, you're going to take a seven-step drop from under center, and you're going to hit a comeback on the outside to Devontae Adams against the Kansas City Chiefs in your first ever NFL start. And oh, by the way, your head can't be swimming while you're doing all of these things. Sure. And it just made me think, like, it's, it's remarkable to see the growth of someone like Jordan love in, in, yeah. in his ability to do that. How, like I, I want to, I want to make sure we're identifying Jordan love and the work that he's put in, but how do you, th if you're in a room like that with Jordan love yep. and you have to develop these traits, what are, what are the conversations you're having with him about, Hey man, here's what we got to focus on. Yeah. I think it first starts first starts with when you're looking at the player, what is he not good at? You know, what are the things that he's going to struggle with? both as an individual player, but also how that player inserts into your scheme. Okay. So and you're trying to figure out, okay, he struggles with getting away from the center. He struggles with turning his back to the defense. He struggles with 
you know, the rhythm of getting to the top of that play action drop and throwing the deep crosser with one hitch and not two. And so you're, you're trying to identify those areas. I think the next thing is laying that out to him and see, you know, kind of that plan of how they're going to work on it. And then also why, you know, like the perfect example, and I say this oftentimes is, and when I was with um, the Texans and Kubiak, who Matt LaFleur coached under, and he's running yeah. the same system, like Kubes would be maniacal about guys when we do our seven-step play actions from underneath and we're going to throw the crosser, it has to be thrown on one hitch. And I would be like, why? You know, like <laughs> I, I want to two hitch it. And, you know, it's just it for the timing of the play, the timing of the protection, the location of the throw. And so I think you're trying to identify that stuff and then teach the player the importance of that stuff. So they understand why it's going to be harped and then, you know, kind of freeing them up to understand like this is kind of part of that process. Yeah, you you broke down. You mentioned the the one hitch versus two. Yeah, I want to I want to dig into that a little bit because you did a whole video on some preseason Jordan Love where you looked at okay, this was a there was one play where he didn't take a hitch and another where he did. Yeah. Why is that so important? Because every passing game or every high end passing game, and really the root of it or one of the foundational pieces of it is marrying when the ball comes out of the quarterback's hands with that route or pass concept. And over the course of a game, and certainly over the course of a season, to operate them at a consistent level, those need to be attached. And so, you know, when you as a coach call for an in-route, and the in-route's going to be run at 10 or 12 yards, 10 to 12 yards, and on paper you want that ball thrown, you know, two yards outside the hash, well, there's a timing mechanism that has to be attached to when the quarterback gets the ball to his hands because, you know, if it's thrown at two yards inside the hash, well, there's a middle linebacker there. Uh, there's a defensive tackle coming. There's a safety driving downfield. And so um, the, the marrying and attaching of that is paramount. When we're going to throw a goal ball and we know, well, we're best if we go one, two, three out of the gun, take a nice deliberate hitch and throw the ball 40 to 44 yards down the sideline. Well, cause that's going to allow the receiver to be at his top speed and to track the football and uh, the ball gets out at the proper time. So the defensive end doesn't get there and the safety who's in the middle of the field can't come over the top because the closing of the, I, it's, it's all to make sure that there's this repeat. It's almost like a golf swing, golf swing, repetitive, um, an operational or function that's operational and it's always married to making sure that both of those things kind of had the same expectation levels. All right. We're going to get you more with Dan Orlovsky from ESPN longtime NFL quarterback here on locked on Packers in just a second. Prize picks is the most fun you're going to have playing daily fantasy sports because you can win up to 25 times your money just by selecting two or more players you pick more or less than their projected stats pick a couple players put them together you put uh chris olave uh christian watson assuming he plays and jordan love you got a lineup and you can decide if you think they're going to produce more or less than the yardage total that prize picks selects doesn't have to be yardage could be touchdowns could be rushing yards could be any anything 
you can think of, Prize Picks is probably going to let you put it in a lineup, and you can turn $10 into $250, 25 times what you put in. Plus, they've got weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Love Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts each player's projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and then use the code locked on NFL for that first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. And thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you, everydayers. We are going to be live on Sunday after the game. Go check out what we're doing at The Leap, theleap.football, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. I have a piece up today about how this is time for Joe Barry's defense to show mm, something and subtext. More and more of you are signing up. I'm getting more and more of you in the mix. The, the, the people who have signed up, man, I love it. The enthusiasm is so high I got I to gotta get up like every day. I'm like, okay, I got to get my texts. I got to get my texts. I got to get my texts because you guys are on it. I love the enthusiasm. When when people say uh, that Matt LaFleur is is scheming things up for Jordan Love and, and you're watching the tape and, and there, you know, a lot of a lot of what they do, of course, is is schemed up. But when you hear someone say that, what does that mean to you? That they're that they're taking things that the defense does and using it against them to help things, help people on their offense get open. Um, I've always like kind of laughed at people viewing that as a negative thing. I was, that's exactly why I was asking you this question. Cause I wanted to know yeah. that, that seems like every offense should do that. Why not make the quarterback's job easier? That yeah. seems like you should yeah. want to do that. Hey, that's what you get paid to do. So <laughs> I, I think, I think like that's, it's taking what the defense is doing and using it against them to create, kind of opportunities for your offense. The quarterback's got to go operate it. And then there's also, I mean, sometimes it's like, how many times do we really think guys are getting schemed open? You know, four times a game. Okay, right. so the other 30 passes, the quarterback has to go operate, right. you know, and, and, and kind of execute. And so, um, you know, I, I never hold that against quarterbacks because I kind of know when you do that and, and it's a, it's such a freeing thing to know that you've got a coach in that capacity, you know? So when you watch Jordan Love and you've seen Jordan Love through these first two weeks, what kind of what kind of progress do you see him making? And what do you what do you think the the Matt Lafleur is trying to to get him to do in this offense? Oh, he's made tremendous progress compared to when he came out of school. I mean, when he came out of school, he was just a kind of this kind of very loose armed, certainly kind of athletic moving kid that had a powerful ball pop out of his arm, but. He was so super erratic with his feet and they were never attached to his upper body. And um, it, it was more, you know, I'm just going to go out and make plays. And that's totally kind of understood. I think he's become much more structured as a quarterback. I think he's become much more disciplined with his feet. He's got a great understanding of where the football should go and why. I think under the floor, you know, love play. It's almost like, if you took like, let's say a Jared Goff, did I cut out? You got me? Just just for a second. You're good. Okay. So if you took Jordan Love, it's almost like 
he's Jared Goff at, with, with like a, a sprinkle of um, – it, it, it's it's not like a Geno Smith athleticism because he's, he's, he's younger than Geno, but it's almost like Jared Goff with – athlete plus athleticism plus, you know, and, right, and yeah. because when you watch a move, he's, he's a very loose athlete, but he's a very pure and natural thrower. You know, I always say like very loose arm, very loose arm, not a tight arm or structured arm. And so um, I think Matt's tapping into that a little bit. And, you know, he's, I think the most impressive thing is how comfortable he is throwing the ball on in breakers versus tight coverage. You know, like he throws a couple of wraps and the, the digs, and there is no hesitation letting it go. I think one of them was the touchdown the other day versus Atlanta, and he just cuts it loose versus man. And um, it's it's been impressive to see his growth. Yeah, and and I think he leads the league per next gen stats in uh, aggressive throws, which to them is uh, a defender within one yard. So he has not been afraid to do, but also not put the ball in harm's way. Um, has yeah. not thrown an interception so far this season. Uh, when when you're when you're trying to identify traits in young quarterbacks that you think are are critical to their future success, um, what what are they and and what of those traits do you see in Jordan Love? Yeah, so I think the, my most favorite one or most important one is what you do when the when it's panic time. What you do with the football when you know it, it's time for panic, meaning you're under duress. Uh, guys are locked up and you can't move in the pocket. Like th that moment of panic, what do you do with the football? That was my favorite quality of Joe Burrows. And then are you skilled enough or athletic enough uh, to kind of get yourself out of those situations or do something in those situations, whether it's throw it away, whether it's tuck it and run, whether it's dump it off, anything like that. So that's probably my favorite one is like in those moments. I think I'm a, always a, a fan of very natural and easy throwers. Um, I'm always a fan of guys who throw it before people are open that you can see windows before they open and, and get it to them before they close. Um, certainly athleticism, if that's a big, you know, that's a plus. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's like a, I kind of say like athleticism is a necessity nowadays. It's not mandatory. You know, like I'm a huge True. fan of Mac Jones. He's, he's athletic enough and it, cause he's mandated, it's mandatory to be able to move, but he's not an athlete when it comes like, Oh, it's a necessity to be able to function at a high level in the offense. So um, I, I think, you know, I'd always say this, you got to have the ability to place the football. I say this all the time, the difference between accuracy and ball placement, accuracy is throwing to your guy. Ball placement is throwing away from the defense. Um, every guy in the NFL is accurate. Everyone, <laughs> every single guy. To be really good, you got to have ball placement as a as a high level attribute, uh, and so those are probably like the top three or four after kind of being around it for a little bit now, and 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 also, you know, watching young, young guys probably get to, you know, like what when you watch guys throw and who they're throwing to, like where could you get to when it comes to your skill sets. What, what do you think if you're, you know, a very small sample size, you're three NFL starts for Jordan Love, but in order for him to take that proverbial next step, and, and who knows, I mean, it, it could come in any moment, right? But in order for him to be a high level quarterback, what does he need to tighten up or work on or, or whatever it is you think he needs to do to get to that place, to be in that sort of Allen Burrow Herbert conversation. I'm going to leave Patrick Mahomes to the side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, after three games in his career and certainly two games this year, I, I think that's a, a difficult thing to 
try to pinpoint, you know, it's yeah. certainly going to be just a bigger body of work. I don't know if there's anything in Jordan's game in the first two weeks that we sit here and say, Oof, that's got to get better, you know, uh, or that yeah. that's a glaring flaw. I think he's throwing the football down the field really well. I think he's been in control. The ball's consistently gone to the right area. He's had elite ball placement versus tight coverage. I would say this. We haven't seen him. I'm trying to think of week two and week one. I don't know if we've seen him have to layer footballs versus zone coverage in that 15 to 22 yard range that much Not yet. Um, and maybe that's because Christian was out week one. So maybe see a little bit more man coverage. Certainly saw a little bit more last week versus Atlanta. Uh, I, I don't, we haven't seen that. He hasn't been asked to do that consistently yet. That will be probably something that I would imagine teams will start to challenge him with is forcing him to throw that kind of firm ball, not that rip shot and not that floater, but that firm kind of um, just outside of the reach of that six foot two linebacker, eight, eight to 12 yards downfield. Uh, that That's probably a little bit of the unknown. I, I did. I thought of, as you were describing, I thought of one play against Chicago on third and 11. He hit Jaden Reed. He waited for him to clear the linebacker, manipulated right. the linebacker with his eyes, right. held him, right. and then threw it. But that's not – I don't think that's truly – that's not exactly what you're talking about. No. I don't I don't think. So, last thing here, um, Tom Clements, his quarterback coach, had a great quote about, hey, you know, last year, anytime I came over to Jordan and said, hey, they're playing this defense, we got this call, what are we looking at? All Like, on the whiteboard, apparently the, the progress has been terrific, that he just he, – he has this offense down cold. For a young quarterback – okay, you know the offense, you know the answers, all that stuff. What changes when you get out there, the lights turn on, and now you have to actually make those decisions? Like, what's, what changes yeah. in, in, in your mind? It happens so fast. Mm. It, it, I, 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 I've always kind of felt that way. I went to UConn, and I just remember, you know, when I went into the NFL, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, you know, you're playing against Pac-Man Jones, you're playing against uh, – you know, Namdi Asamoah, and I was always like, we played against corners that were really fast in college football too. And I would be like, to my boys right at home, I'd be like, yo, these cats at the line of scrimmage though, they are so big and move so <laughs> fast. And that was the biggest difference. And I think for a young player, you take it from the the, the meeting room or the dry erase board and you, and you know it inside and out. Um, and I think the difference when you get it onto the field is how fast it happens in your face you know, like those, those 10 bodies that are in front of you within two yards. I mean, you know, or, or let's call it three yards, either side of yeah. you. I mean, there's 10 human beings that are all about 300 pounds. That's nuts. Right. And so yeah. it happens so fast. It's also, if I get it wrong in the dry erase board, not just going to happen. I'm going to, my coach is going to get upset with me or whatever. If I get it wrong in the field, my team loses. I hurt my football team. Um, you know, I could get hurt. I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to get hit in the middle of my face by a 280-pound linebacker. So uh, You get a I, teammate I think, hurt. Yeah. Like, I think that's the biggest thing is there are now consequences to doing the wrong thing. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's probably one of the hardest adjustments. Well, we are going to see in real time how Jordan Love makes those adjustments. I know you will be doing your breakdowns on Get Up. NFL Live all over ESPN and and of course uh doing calling games too. You are ubiquitous at ESPN, Dan. We appreciate the time, man. Good to talk with you, bud. Thank you so much. 
All right, thanks to Dan Orlovsky for joining the show today. Awesome, awesome to talk to him. I was joking with him before we started. Uh, the last time I had talked to him was for a piece that I'm I'm still kind of working on. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be on a, an airplane tomorrow. I'm going to be in the car from like 5.30 to 6.30. Can you do that? A.M. And I was like, well, yeah. And I happened to have a newborn at the time. This was three years ago. And I, I did it. 5.30. We did an interview. And it was great. And he was as awesome as you would expect him to be. So uh, really appreciate Dan for jumping on. We're going to be live on YouTube after the game on Sunday. Go subscribe to us there on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, we'll be there. We'll be there live on your YouTube. Subscribe at Locked on Packers so you can stay Locked on Packers.